Have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We've got you covered. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olsen on 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. All right, welcome on in. It is Doc Talk right here on the Zone Sports Network. Happy Thursday night to you. On your way home today. Thanks so much for being with us. And today we are joined by Dr. Peter and Chalmers. There with University of Utah Health. It's great to have him here today. How you doing, by the way? Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dr. Chalmers, by the way, native of Portland. Likes hiking, biking, skiing. Uh, your wife is also uh, what oncologist with the Huntsman Cancer Institute, right? Yeah, my so, wife's a medical oncologist. Man, so yeah. busy up there on the campus. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah, all the yeah. time up there. Yeah. Also, Dr. Chalmers uh, graduated. Uh, with, let's see, dual major in biology and biophysical chemistry at Dartmouth College. For those of you who don't know, people who go to Dartmouth are really smart. This guy's very smart. Don't, don't get too excited here. Don't get too excited. I am. I, are you <laughs> kidding me? I got you on the air with me here today. We're going to talk about smart people stuff, which is uh, any of the questions that you may have out there. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Um, also, uh, you did some work there with, um, well, you had residency at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, uh, received multiple teaching and research awards, completed his fellowship in shoulder and elbow surgery at Washington University in St. Louis. So you have been well-traveled. Uh, you have seen a lot in uh, your time of being uh, kind of dialed into the medical field, but a lot of people don't know this, man. Like, you're, you're a sports fan too, right? Like, big basketball guy, you say? I think you, you got to be, especially coming from Portland, you know, where all we have is the Blazers. Yes. Yeah. I call the game at Memorial Coliseum. That was like one of the highlights. You've been there, right? Oh, yeah. It's freezing oh, yeah. cold in that place. It's a classic <laughs> old school place. It was as frigid as any place I've ever been. But kind of being in there, I'm thinking like, wow, like Bill Walton, you know, that Blazer team. They can change the name as many times as they want to me. It's still the Coliseum, you know? Yeah, right. Like the Moda Center. They just just call it the Coliseum, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because even if they have the new arena down there and what's the Rose Quarter is what they call it. Yeah, there's just certain places that even if uh, the place doesn't have some of the shine, right, Right. as uh, these new places, that those places have a special part in your heart. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on the Jazz, though, huh? Uh, they're coming back. They're coming back. It's looking better and better. It is looking better. That defense has been great. They're yeah. rolling, starting to win at a high level. Five in a row. Cleveland tomorrow. Uh, they're going to play Portland coming up Monday. That's going to be a good game. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Well, for those of you who are out there, you give us a call, 855-340-ZONE, and uh, this guy can help you out. Dr. Chalmers, a member of the faculty there at the University of Utah uh, within the Department of uh, Orthopedic Surgery. Uh, most of your care is on uh, kind of shoulder and elbow problems, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. kind of take me through when you're you're dialing into your profession, right? And you're deciding kind of what you want to do. At what point were you like, you know what, the shoulder and the elbow is where I want to be the specialist? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm super lucky to be able to do what I, to have the privilege to do what I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the shoulder and elbow is, to me, is the most interesting part of the human body. The shoulder is incredibly complicated. Um, everything's got to be millimeters precise when uh, when we do surgery on the shoulder. But the more important thing is that people come into me and they're incredibly debilitated. If you have a shoulder problem, you can't raise your arm. Right. Let me tell you, you're, you can't do anything. Um, let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity to have no legs, no arms, what's your choice? 
Oh. Oh, man. Because I do like to run. Okay. Uh, man, this is a really tough call. Uh, I, I think I would... I think I'm going to end up going no arms because I like moving around. Yeah, but think think about your life with no arms. Oh, I know. Trust me. Either You're not gonna be able to I've thought yourself. about both of them. So I, when I ask myself, hey, more that people question, taking care of me is not. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, the, but the, the one, it, I, the one thing I think about though is it's like, okay, what are the things I love? Because you're gonna have to give up something really important, obviously. Obviously, yeah. yeah. So for me, when I asked myself the question, I said, God, I think that the arms are more important than the legs, and so that's why I did arms. Interesting. What, uh, what, what made you ultimately decide that at the end? So one of the things that's really, to me, about the shoulder that I really like is that I can be a shoulder doctor. Uh-huh. So I can treat patients without surgery. I can treat them with surgery. We can do arthroscopy. I can do replacements. I can do fractures. I can do the full gamut of stuff with that one joint and really be a comprehensive doctor for that one area of the body. I didn't like the other orthopedics. You would say, oh, I only treat this one specific thing or I only treat that one specific thing. Mm-hmm. I like that you could say I have a shoulder problem and I can say I'm the doctor you can see. For any kind. Right. Because there's a variety of different kinds. I think it makes more sense. Um, I think, so this is interesting kind of with baseball season coming up. Uh, some of the most common baseball injuries that people talk about, but what are those baseball injuries that you also see in just kind of everyday life, people that aren't pro baseball players or play baseball regularly? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, within the shoulder and elbow, we see, um, you know, you definitely see labral tears in shoulder in in the shoulder of pitch shoulders of pitchers we see that same thing in people that use their arms as manual laborers you know people that work as carpenters people that work as plumbers i'll see the similar pathologies in people that really use their arms overhead for heavy lifting mm-hmm. um in the rest of the body we see similar things definitely you'll see you know like low back strains in in um in, in, in pitchers and batters, we'll see all sorts of other injuries in, in, in baseball where we see similar corollaries in the, rest of the, in, in, in the rest of the population. The thing that separates people who play baseball is when you throw a baseball, you put your shoulder through more stress than any, any other motion in the whole body. You put more than 1,000 newtons of stress through your shoulder when you pitch a baseball, and your shoulder has to move at 7,000 degrees per second. You put so much stress through, through that joint that everything's got to be perfect, you know? Hmm. So for for me, that's one of the things that makes taking care of baseball players so interesting is it's a real challenge, you know? No doubt about that. And and what I love is people will talk about pitchers, but it's not just pitchers. It's a lot of di- – like one thing that jumps out to me a lot is they'll talk about protecting pitchers a lot. Like, hey, you got to make sure they don't throw as often. And, and clearly throwing off the mound and trying to throw that kind of velocity puts more stress than just, you know, a simple overarm throw. But the one that jumps out to me, especially when they talk about youth, is catchers. Oh yeah, because catchers are Absolutely. throwing every bit as much. Oh, such a great yeah. point. Yeah, and so do you. Do you have that issue too? I mean, do you do you get a oh, number yeah. of them, or do you uh, when do you ever speak to a coach and talk about preventive maintenance for a catcher as much as a pitcher? Oh, absolutely. Not only that, I've actually we've we've yeah in my practice we've we've made a big focus on injury prevention. I've gone out in the community to talk to baseball pitcher baseball coaches um, in the south and in the north of the valley to try and talk to them about prevention. One of the things that we've really stressed is your catcher needs days off and your catcher cannot pitch because the worst thing you see is the inning turns over and the catcher takes off his mask and walks up to the mound. That's oh. the worst. Absolute worst. Yeah. <laughs> He's already thrown a certain amount of pitches, Absolutely. right? That's, that's a no-no. That's a huge no-no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's head out to the phones. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. If you'd like to speak to Dr. Chalmers, uh, Ron joins us right now from Salt Lake City. Ron, thanks so much for the call. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, um, 
I've got an employee. We, we do a very physical job, and he blew his shoulder out, went and had an operation, and uh, now he's, they want to do another operation. They say he's got cartilage hanging over in the socket, and they're saying that he's got a bicep tendon that needs to be reattached. Uh, doctor, I'm wondering, you know, I really like this guy, and I'm trying to be positive. What are the chances of him being able to come back and do a – I mean, like I can say, he delivers um, – he, he lifts a lot of things over his head, a lot. He's delivering about 38,000 pounds a day. And I'm just wondering – I'm trying to be positive. Do you, what do you think of the chances of him ever being able to come back and do what he was doing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We deal with this all the time. Um, in in my clinic, because there's there's definitely a large proportion of uh, shoulder injuries that are work related, and we try so hard to get people back to where they were before. And I think people in general want to get back to where they were before the injury. Definitely with the in, the kind of injury you're talking about, I think that the the likelihood of a return to full duty is 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 pretty reasonable. It actually really depends on how much damage there is to the cartilage. That's probably the primary black box here. If there's really a lot of damage to the cartilage then that can be kind of a precursor to arthritis, which may make it really hard to do the kind of work that you're talking about. If there's only a little bit of damage to the cartilage, then then it may not be such a big deal. But that could be a, a really difficult okay. problem to fix for the surgeon. Um, and, and, and it's hard to know that, you know, you, you, there's no way for you to know that. There's, that's probably uh, right. something the doctor may know. And he may not actually even know that until he goes in to look. One of the things that's really hard with the cartilage is that the, there are current imaging modalities with MRI. Don't do a great job of imaging the cartilage. I'm actually doing research in the university right now to try and improve that because it's such a big issue for us not knowing going into the operating room how bad, if there's a cartilage defect, how bad is it going to be and what am I going to be able to do to fix it? So what's average rehab on something like this? Um, if it's if it's just the cleaning up some cartilage and, and, and taking care of the biceps, usually they'll be back into strengthening by six weeks. The soonest for a return Good. to full duty would be three months. It's often more close to four or five months. Um, probably the longest possible would be six months. Definitely it's not going to be beyond six months. Um, but okay. usually it's three months. Well, thank you. Appreciate you, Ron. Ron, thanks so much for joining us here on Doc Talk. By the way, don't forget, go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. That's sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. And uh, with the injury clinic availability, go in Monday through Thursday, 4 to 8 p.m., Friday noon to 6, uh, or give them a call, 801-587-7109. That's 801-587-7109. They are at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. Let's go to Bill. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. You're on Doc Talk. Hello. Hey, Bill. What do you got? So I'm I'm 44 years old. I got uh, clipped on my bike and had a uh, by a car and had to have a slap repair. I broke my shoulder, um, and because it was it kept dislocating um, after surgery, like it took forever to heal. And I know because I'm old, but um, after it healed a couple months ago, it popped again while pushing a shopping cart, and now it keeps dislocating again. I went back for an MRI. They said there's a slight tear in a different spot of my labrum, and my question really is is like. It just feels like a, like the there's not really ever going to be an end to it. That it's just going to keep because there wasn't there was so much bone removed when they did the surgery that it's never going to be normal again. What is it? What should I do? I, I, I'm kind of at a loss of do I just keep getting surgeries because the surgeries are miserable. 
Yeah, Bill's first off, I'm so sorry to hear about uh, your problem. Having a shoulder that's that, that's unstable and feels like it, you know, it's coming out of the socket or it's slipping or it's coming all the way out and you got to go to the ER to have it put back in is terrible. It's a really, really miserable condition. Um, the good news is that it, there's actually a lot of good solutions for that problem. The first thing that you had done to repair the labrum is usually the first step. It's it's usually successful, but not 100% successful. The next step now is is probably going to be to try something different. Um, and um, what what that different thing would be totally depends on what it looks like. One of the one of the primary questions in your kind of situation is how much bone has been removed. Probably the next step is to get a, what's what's called a CT scan. It's essentially a 3D X-ray. That 3D X-ray will be able to give the doctor you're seeing a, a comprehensive sense for how much bone there is lost and whether or not you may need a bone grafting procedure or a different kind of soft tissue procedure to make the shoulder so it will stop dislocating. The good news is that those procedures are pretty effective, even even in the setting where you are now, where the first surgery has failed. So I don't want you to lose hope here, bud. Um, I do think there's lots of good solutions, but the the first step is to determine what the best solution would be, and you probably are going to need more tests to determine that. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. It just feels like it's falling apart, and I feel like it's is it just do I just accept I'm old, or do I, or do I keep trying to get it fixed? Yeah, I would. It. Um, if it's if it's coming out of the socket, I wouldn't. I, I would recommend that you not just say, "Hey, it'll be it'll be fine. I'm just old." Every time the shoulder dislocates, it damages the shoulder and leads to a higher propensity for arthritis in the future. So um, it's not a it's not a great situation to say that I am just old. More importantly, you're not old. Um, you're you're only 44. So um, I mean, you got a lot of good years ahead of me. There's no reason to just give up, man. Okay. Cool. Hey, th- hey, thank you. Now, one more question. I don't want to suck your time. How, how do you go about telling your doctor, hey, I talked to this guy on the radio, and this is what he says we should do? You got it. You already got it down. That's exactly what you should say. Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate nice you, man. Thanks for being. Thanks for putting me on. Hey, absolutely, Bill, and thank you, and best of luck to you going forward. By the way, man. Um, by the way, just hearing something like that. So I, I, I've never had a shoulder issue. Never. Played sports all the time, uh, put a lot of miles on, you know, that kind of thing. Never once have I had, like, a shoulder problem. But anybody who ever has has just, I mean, it's unbearable for him. And to hear him tell that story, by the way, he didn't say, yeah, we were playing church ball or I played the turkey bowl. He was pushing a shopping cart. A shopping cart. Now, he's also talking about his age and all that, but I'm with you, 44. No, man. Like, so the one question I had for you is, can you ever sense anything? Like, here I am as a person who's never had a shoulder issue. Is there anything I should be able to sense early, or is it a situation where your body usually won't tell you that there's a, an issue with a shoulder or elbow until it's too late? Oh, no, I would I would disagree that it's, it's you know, it's too late. Um, I definitely think that um, one of the things that's interesting about the shoulder is there's definitely some parts of the shoulder that do wear out with age. Okay. 44 is too young for that to be an issue. Okay. Um, but definitely we see that with older with older ages. And I've had people come in and, and I've said, look, I think that what's going on, it's been going on for a long time. And they've, and they've said that, doctor, I think you're wrong. You know, it's been, I've had, I've not had a problem with my shoulder, but that's pretty uncommon. Most of the time when there's an issue with the shoulder, you're going to know about it because you need your shoulders. Just like you mentioned that it's miserable to have a shoulder that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This is again, why, why I picked my profession, because I think that the people who come in are people that are disabled that we can really, really help. That's what makes my job good. Let's talk about preventive approaches to all of this. Coming up next, for the athlete, 
or just for, you know, the weekend warrior, whatever it is, preventive approaches to make sure that you keep something like shoulder and elbow uh, in a good spot um, so you don't end up with a situation um, like some of our callers have had. And it's too bad for them, and I wish them the best of luck going forward. You're listening to Doc Talk. We're glad to be joined here today by Dr. Chalmers, and uh, it's presented to you by University of Utah Health right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With Hans Olsen on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Doc Talk with Dr. Chalmers here. University of Utah Health is a proud sponsor of Doc Talk. Give us a call today, 855-340-ZONE. All right, you were around the game of baseball. You talked about how you uh, kind of entered into the game of baseball in a unique way, right? It was while you were doing your residency, you said? Yeah, so in residency, I had the unique opportunity to have access to a motion analysis lab where we did a bunch of studies looking at the pitching motion to understand how it works. Um, and then we went, even dived even deeper to understand, you know, when you do different surgical procedures on pitchers, which ones work to restore the motion and which ones don't, um, which I think is ultimately the most important thing if you're going to operate on a pitcher is how do you get them back to the exact same motion they should have. Well, that's what's interesting, too, because you mentioned Tim Linscom in the break. I remember watching him. Like 2010. Unbelievable. Dominant. My wife's this big Giants fan. She was rubbing it in. Totally different story. But But you watch him pitch. Yeah. And And I met Tim uh, when he was here in Salt Lake. Got to know him a little bit. And you watched him pitch. He was phenomenal. But I also watched his motion. And I had to wonder, how long can that last? And if something goes wrong, how hard would it be to get back to what he was? But, I mean, you watched his motion and it was was gut-wrenching. Yes. It was gut wrenching, but it was. I mean, he, he was put his whole un- body in there. He was an unbelievable pitcher, though. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, yeah. Like so, when you watch a guy like that, are you cringing? Are you saying, "Oh boy, four or five years"? Are you like now that you've kind of studied what you've studied? You know, I don't think we know enough to know that. Okay, I think we're still working through that. I mean, we're we're still doing some research. I'm doing some research to try and understand whether there are specific motions that predict injury. But it's a harder thing to really understand than you would think because uh, it's complicated and every the part of the issue is that there are probably multiple different strategies to get to the same place mm-hmm. and that probably is somewhat anatomy dependent you know like Lincecum was, it was so long um, and that's a real you know and he, he was he came so like there was such a drop when he would pitch from high to low anyway it's a real um, it's a real interest of mine I think eventually we're going to have a better understanding of it but it's a it's a real holy grail in baseball right now man I loved watching him pitch watched yeah. him in person many times whether it was Frisco whether it was here yeah and uh, he certainly was a joy let's talk about um all right you're talking about shoulders all of that prevention mm-hmm. besides rest obvious the, the rest is obvious what are other ways people can can use preventive measure to see to it something like a shoulder as they age or whatever it is or an elbow is in a good spot yeah, it's a great it's a great point. I think one of the things that's super overlooked that we've actually found to be important in our research is your your thought is that look, I'm going to go p- pick up basketball for me to be strong for that. I'm going to go. I'm going to do some bench. I'm going to do some curls, you know, and I'll be good to go. Um, definitely, there we found in our research there's a huge role of the downstream muscles in protecting your shoulder and elbow. So having a strong core, having strong muscles in your hips, having strong muscles in the in the muscles in your back. 
can protect your shoulder. So it's not just strengthening the shoulder. It's, it's the rest of the body downstream that really plays a role, certainly if we found in pitchers. And I think it's probably true across the board. We're looking right now to try and see if we can find the same thing within um, – trying to see if we can find the same thing within um, the MLB to see if there is a is a real connection between like a prior core injury and then a subsequent elbow injury because mm-hmm. I think there's going to be um, but we're gonna we'll have I'll have the answer for you in a year once yeah. we figure it out has there been anything you found up to this point not that there's correlation but maybe there's a player or a few players oh, we've definitely I've we've shown it pretty definitively in three studies now in youth and adolescent pitchers but I haven't shown it as conclusively in um, in, in professional pitchers but we will so like a core injury of some sort. So like give me an example. One player. Like weakness in the core, core okay. fatigues, and then all of a sudden the motion no longer looks right because now you cannot bring your shoulder down to the right position to really put the right velocity on the ball. And then when the when that starts to break down, then you injure, injure your elbow, you injure your shoulder, and you say to yourself, yeah. oh, the problem is in my elbow or shoulder, and that's never where it began. That's interesting because like if someone has back soreness, right? Some guy, let's say you work in an office. Or whatever it is, you drive around for a living. You end up with back soreness somehow. Uh, playing a lot of sports when you were younger. Uh, how long would uh, has any of your studies shown how long it would take before the shoulder was affected, and why would the shoulder then be affected in that situation or elbow for that matter? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't I don't have it down to that fine level of detail. How long it's going to take, or okay. you know how how bad does the back injury need to be? But I will tell you what related. I see. Is what you're saying? Oh, I they, I think they definitely can be. Okay. I definitely can be in a in a in in someone that's really like a, a, a high activity kind of person. We see all the time. Um, for me, I see an elbow problem that ultimately arises from the shoulder. Well, someone will come with an elbow tendonitis, and the issue ultimately was that they had a shoulder problem all along. We see that all the time. Yeah. Hmm. So it's this is what makes my job interesting is everything's connected. Yeah. So you can go right back to, and you probably ask them, even if they didn't get it treated. Have you ever had to be like, okay, so uh, how's your elbow been? Have you really, you know, and they might say, oh, actually, it was like six months ago. Right. You know, this was acting up. And then do some of those pains like go away or numb and then eventually it causes elsewhere? Like what's the. Often they're persistent or there are shadows of them and you can watch the patient, way the patient moves their arm and you can still see them. You know? Interesting. Yeah. 855 340 zone. 855 340 zone. That's the number to call today. Heard some earlier callers getting some advice, some information. And don't forget, you can always uh, get set up with Dr. Peter Chalmers to get yourself taken care of. Does a great job with shoulders, does a great job with elbows. Uh, well traveled, highly educated. Uh, that's what you're going to find when you go to University of Utah Health uh, to get your treatment. And don't forget also um, the injury clinic information that's available, 801-587-7109, Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., Friday noon to 6. They're at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. Um, that's 801-587-7109. Go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.com. Dot org, um, or just give us a call today, 855-340-ZONE. Um, what do you do to treat these shoulder and elbow issues? I mean, it depends on how severe, obviously. but Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 there's a wide variety of things we do, and it totally depends on what the problem is. Um, I, I'm a huge believer that there's a lot of things that we can treat with physical therapy and injections and non-operative treatment, and that's always the first thing that we'll start with. Um, or not always, but the vast majority of times, that's what we'll, what we'll aim towards. Um, because because if you can solve a problem without surgery, it's way better for the patient. So we try and avoid surgery when we can, certainly. Uh, elbow issues. Why would somebody end up with random elbow pain? Because that's happened to me. 
I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm watching some show, you know what I mean? Just randomly, I'm like, why does my elbow hurt? Or driving around or randomly on a Tuesday, why would the elbow soreness randomly creep up? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton. You're, you're, um, there's a lot going Is on in, in your elbow. Issue? Yeah. It can be, it can be an overuse issue. You can develop tendonitis, especially on the outside of your elbow. That's probably the, the by far the most common thing to happen in the elbow is that, is that we use our we use all the time our arms in a position where the wrist is cocked back. The muscle that cocks your wrist back attaches in your elbow, and that can become very inflamed and very irritated. That's mm-hmm. probably the most common have, uh, issue to occur. There's also other things in the elbow, and you can get arthritis in your elbow. You can have tendon ruptures in the elbow. You can have damage to the cartilage in the elbow, especially from like a youth, youth, a youth injury. Um, we see that not infrequently kind of show up later in life. Um, there's a there's a nerve that's commonly pinched in the elbow. All these things, you know, if you especially if you lean on the inside of your elbow where your funny bone is, mm-hmm. that can definitely cause pain on the inside of your elbow and numbness that kind of radiates down. All those are things that can kind of cause random pains in the elbow. He's Dr. Chalmers. He's with the University of Utah Health. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Doc Talk. Give us a call, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. All right, so being around the game of baseball, you talked about the, the pitching and stuff like that. There's always this discussion about how young is too young for a kid to throw a curveball and how many curveballs and different motions. And th- I've heard such a variety of different things. I've heard scouts tell me one thing. I've heard coaches tell me one what thing. What did the scouts tell you? That's, uh, that's the one that interests me This the was most. an interesting one. One scout told me, what was it, four curveballs for every time the person has to shave per week. <laughs> And I died laughing. And I thought, how would that have to do you said with anything? You've, you've discovered the secret. I'm like, what? He said, Who yeah. knew it would be so simple? He's like, in a game, <laughs> that's my recommendation. And I stared at him like, I have never heard this before. And I've heard a lot of different things. I have heard a lot of different things. That was oh, one that blew man. me away. Uh, I've heard dad say, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. Everybody's just trying to make my kid this and that. I'm like, no, I, th- I think it might be a good idea not to use the arm in that way. Um, and then I've had I've had coaches tell me I will never allow a kid under I don't know what it was fourteen or something like that to ever even think about it like ever even think about it. So, you know, some people say high school age only. The shave thing was really bizarre. <laughs> uh, that, that guy was the guy's been around a long time too. Uh, I, I can't wait to catch up with that scout again. Um, and then because uh, after what you say to me here coming up, I'm going to be like, by the way. Uh, Harry's razor said, <laughs> um, well, and then, then of course, parents all have their own different variety of it. But from your uh, experience around the game and what you've seen, what what would you recommend or what have you seen? So our general recommendations are that you you have to have the mechanics of the fastball down before you can learn the curveball. What you don't want to use what you do is use the curveball as a shortcut. Like you don't want to say, I have a match with the fastball. I'm going to go straight to the curveball and I'll use that as my trick pitch to get around the fact that my fastball is no good. That's that's a real problem. Um, but I will tell you that once you've mastered the mechanics of the fastball, I don't think there is a, a, an age that is too young. Interesting. And here's my rec- This is what, what I base this on. The research that I've done has suggested there's no connection between the age at which you first throw a curveball and the likelihood of injury. And the research we've done in motion analysis 
has suggested there's no connection between the curveball and more stress to the elbow or the shoulder. In fact, it probably puts less stress through the elbow or the shoulder than a really fast fastball. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there is an age that's too young, but I think you can only learn it once you've got the mechanics down. The mechanics has to be your primary okay. focus first. So when they're talking about age difference, what they're probably not realizing is that the correlation is between the age in which a really good baseball player right at a young age kind of has the mechanics of that exactly. fastball perfected. It has nothing to do with how old exactly. they are. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because it, it's been a discussion constantly at different people in the game of baseball. Uh, when I've been involved in pro baseball now for over a decade, it's, oh, that is glaring. Yeah, I can't wait to throw that one by the old scouts and be like, <laughs> actually, it had nothing to do right. with the fact that he's in high school. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right, Steve, you're joining us now on uh, Doc Talk. Don't forget, folks, you can give us a call 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health. Let's go to Steve. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Thank you. Hey, I have a question. Um, It's about my dad. He's 89 years old, and according to what his doctors told him, his rotator cuff in his left arm is pretty much shot. And so from what he's told me, the socket is no longer in the joint. And, um, of course, that limits movement greatly. Um, Things like even closing the car door cause a lot of pain. And at his age, of course, they don't want to do surgery. I just wondered if there's anything he can do to help with his motion um, or relieve the pain. He's, he's in a lot of pain. Has, has, your, has your dad had any steroid injections in his shoulder? Um, I think they did that. Yeah, I think they may have done that. Because that's, that's one thing that can relieve the pain. The second thing to ask is your... Um, the, you know there there are limited options when there's when there's no rotator cuff remaining, um, and the right. ball has kind of migrated a, away from the center of the socket, um, and oftentimes that actually leads to arthritis in the shoulder because the ball is no longer centered. Just like you know your tires will wear out if 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 you don't rotate them regularly, if one of them right. is not aligned. The um the there's really only one effective surgical solution for that problem, and that's a replacement. And, and um, the problem with that is, as you mentioned with your daddy's, if he's elderly and it can it can lead to medical problems, it could you know you can have major problems with that. You certainly don't want to lose your life to save your shoulder. Right. Um, can he still raise his arm? Um, a little bit, but not much. Uh, you know, like I said, even closing the car door when he gets into drive, just putting the arm out and reaching. He he reaches over with his right arm instead of his left. I think I think um, the motion's pretty bad and the pain's pretty bad. If he can't raise his arm, then the replacement is kind of the only thing surgically that's effective. Um, definitely uh, maximizing anti-inflammatory medications like Advil and Aleve. And we we sometimes when um, when when people have we've, have have gotten to the end of that, we'll recommend more. Um, you know, more prescription strength ones like Meloxicam or Celebrex, or there's a bunch of different ones, and they're all probably equally effective. I'm not, like, trying to sell you one specific medication. <laughs> um, right. Tylenol is also uh, a surprisingly effective painkiller. Oftentimes, a lot of the pain with these kind of conditions is, is at night. Um, and I've, uh, I've had a lot of patients tell me that sleeping in a more rec- inclined position, there's less swelling that develops in the shoulder and they can sleep a little bit better. That may be one thing to try. Sometimes a bed that inclines can help that or other people will find that sleeping with pillows stacked or I've even had patients tell me that they've, they've given up sleeping in the bed and they sleep in a recliner on a couch to try and, right. to try and sleep in a more inclined position to make it so the shoulder hurts less at night. Because oftentimes with conditions oh. like this, it's hard to sleep at night and that when you can't sleep, everything else becomes impossible. Right. 
yeah, I don't know that he's having that much trouble with sleep. I'll talk to him about it, and I'll I'll talk to him about the pain relievers and stuff. But I mean, I you know, like I said, at eighty nine, there's probably not a lot you want to do surgically. There are other things, you know, if there are other things people have tried injecting in this situation after, you know, if you tried cortisone and it didn't work. Um, and I would leave that discussion to b- between your, your, your dad and your doctor, because those, as you get farther from cortisone, those things are more and more kind of experimental and have less evidence to really suggest that they are as helpful. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Hey, best, thank you for calling. Best of luck to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Best of luck to thank him you. for sure. Man, that's... That sucks. Rotator cuff is one you hear about. Um, athletes, all of that. But, it, man, that one sounds like it could be a very tricky one. Like, he's talking about closing the car door, and it could be painful. Day-to-day stuff. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You can deal with that stuff all the time. All right, let's go to Tammy. Don't forget, give us a call, 855-340-ZONE. Tammy, thanks so much for joining us here on Doc Talk. Thank you. Hey, I'm just wondering if you know if it's possible to have a bone spur on your finger. It's very possible. Okay. So I, if I thought I might have one or something else causing pain in my finger on near the knuckle, I should just check with my doctor and suggest which area, if that was... Which area of your finger? Um, it's, my, it's my ring finger on my left hand. Yeah. And it's towards the top knuckle. So there's 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 like there's three joints in your finger. There's one that kind of meets with the rest of the fingers, and there's two, two within the finger, one close to the nail, and one kind of in the middle of the finger. Which joint is mm-hmm. it? It's the one closest to the nail. And which which is it on the side by the nail? Is it on the side by the palm? Is it on the side closest to the middle finger or the the small finger? It's closest to the small finger, and it's on the top of the finger, not not towards the palm. Yeah, that could very well be a bone spur. There's a couple of okay. other things that it can be, actually. It may not be a bone spur. There's, okay. it, there's There are cysts that can form there that can feel super hard like a bone. There are also little little um, benign tumors that can form there. Um, there are also, sometimes that can be an abnormality deep within the nail bed. Um, it can also be a bone spur. Um, the, the medical term is a herbendens nodule. Um, which it doesn't doesn't I guess it's not really relevant to you, but what you should do is go see a hand surgeon, a hand doctor. Um, we okay. have we have like six of them at the university. And they're all phenomenal, um, but okay. there's also plenty of them in the valley that all do a great job, and um, they can take a look at it and determine what it is and what what can be done about it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Tammy. Best of luck to you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you calling. That's Tammy here tonight joining us on Doc Talk. Give us a call eight five five three. Four zero zone. That's eight five five three four zero zone. When people are trying to go and lift weights to make themselves stronger or make their bodies even better, very important things to remember to protect yourself when it comes to that, especially when it comes to shoulders and elbows. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Doc Talk 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Talk with Hans Olsen on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome on back, 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome on back to Doc Talk. Of 
course, we're taking your calls, 855-340-ZONE. We're with Dr. Peter Chalmers here tonight, and you can get all of your questions answered. Don't forget, the next Doc Talk comes your way February 7th with Dr. Chalmers uh, as he's here to answer all of your questions. We start with Ben. Ben, thanks so much for your patience and holding. Uh, you're on uh, Doc Talk with Dr. Chalmers. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for taking, taking my call. I have uh, I have kind of an old hockey injury I'm hoping you might be able to help me out with. He's not um, a dentist. He's not a dentist, so I don't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I broke my hip when I was 18. Oh, and, um, Sorry to hear that. It's just, I don't think it ever really healed properly. There was a deep tissue bruise, too, but uh, the sports med guy at my high school was using an ultrasound on it to try to help it heal faster. And, um, and just recently it started to flare up. And uh, I think it's sort of exasperated by um, inactivity, like sitting at a desk. When I stand up, it really starts to hurt. Um, so you broke your hip. Do you have, like, plate screws? No, it was, uh, it was like a hairline fracture on the top part of the hip that's uh, on the side, kind of right where the... On the, I don't know. I guess it would be an impact point from on, the front. On the, Does that make on the sense? pelvis. On the pelvis or on the upper leg? Bone? Yeah, on the pelvis. On the pelvis. And that's still where the yeah, soreness... Yeah, so not the actual hip joint. Got it. Got it. And the soreness you still have is kind of a, along the along the front of the hip? Or is it in the back? Or is the, it in the side? So the soreness I have feels like it's part of the joint. But I can't really tell if it's... Uh, if it's joint-related, because it does kind of uh, go away after I've used it for a little bit. But I just don't know, like, what kind of physical therapy or activity or stretches or whatever I can do, because I stretch every night before bed, but it doesn't seem to help. And you're saying that when you sit down for a long time, it starts to get sore when you stand back up? Yeah, when I stand back up. Um, I will tell you that um, one of the... One of the things we've started to learn about the hip, and this is this has kind of come in the past ten years, to be honest, is that um, is that there's definitely problems you can have within the hip joint that are actually more common in hockey players, that, which I, or at least are very common in hockey players, which you might not have known about, where the the ball and socket, you know, the ball in the hip is on it's on kind of a kind of a neck, so that which gives you more range of motion in, in your hip. There can be subtle malformations of those bones that can cause them to pinch against one another, especially when you're in a position where you're sitting for a long time and then you get up. That often will cause that to flare. That's called femoral, the medical term is femoral acetabular impingement. It's basically a pinch between those two bones. It can end up affecting your labrum. It can end up affecting your cartilage. It's... The, the best way to find out about that, though, is there's you got to go to a hip doctor, and there's specific x-rays they take to look at it. Um, and the nice thing is there's a bunch of stuff they can do for that now, and it's actually better to be diagnosed with that now because there's there's there are people that have that for a long time who just were told, oh, you've got a hip sprain, and eventually it can lead to arthritis in the hip. So it's, a, it's definitely something worth looking into. Um, so it's a good thing that you called, and we should get you in to see someone. There's two people at the university, Travis Mack and Steve Aoki, who do who do hips for this kind of hip problem. Hmm. Um, but there's also good doctors elsewhere in the city. You don't necessarily have to come to the university. Um, 
And um, you should get that looked into because if, if it is the problem that it sounds like it might be, then there's a good solution for it that that may preserve your hip for, for a lot longer. I don't think it's related to your injury, but it's really hard to tell that, obviously, over the radio. So is it uh, the recovery? Is it like a, an invasive kind it's of a, a surgery? It's or a scope. Just a scope? Yep. So quicker recovery. Quick recovery. Okay. Well, perfect. Thanks for uh, the information. I'll get it checked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Best of luck. Yeah, best of luck to you, Ben. Thanks so much for calling today, man. Of course. Yeah. Man, that's that, that's one where he's talking about every time you stand up, it's more sore. Right? So he's sitting down. He's comfortable. You know he's going to anticipate it, too, if it happens that regularly. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. part of your daily life. Yeah. Oh, the day-to-day pain of that. Yeah, because he ends up 18 years old. He ends up with that injury. Hockey players, I mean, that is the sport where you just you just keep going. It's like, a brutal I sport. joked with him about you're not a dentist because I've watched hockey players lose multiple teeth in a game and stay in. Oh, not like two full teeth, like two and a half teeth, right? <laughs> like it's the half tooth. It's the like, half tooth is what gets you every time. Well, it's like on a on a forty five degree angle. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh wow, dude, you just stay in there. Okay, I guess you do. You know. I, I covered a bunch of hockey games actually in residency, and I had Did guys, really? I had guys yeah. broken arms, broken wrists. I mean, I, I sewed together like lacerations across the entire face. Oh, it was it was nuts. It's a nuts sport. No, it's a fun sport to watch. Oh, it's a great sport to watch. It's one of my absolute favorites. I mean, it's not yeah. really a great. I mean, we don't break down the NHL like here on the station regularly, right, but right, the right, game, right. they had an NHL game here, well attended. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. My wife and I were all over. She's a big Blackhawks fan. Yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, it was fantastic. Well, if you want to talk about Chicago sports, the Blackhawks are like the best team to be a fan of because the fans are rabid for that team. Yeah. Well, and they've won three titles in the oh, decade, and my wife great. has let me hear about it every minute, but that's a different <laughs> discussion. But no, it, it's what you're talking about is, is um, so. Like, especially in Chicago, the Blackhawks ticket, if you go, like, kind of the value of the ticket, it is so expensive for a Blackhawks ticket Oh yeah, compared to the other sports. I mean, the other sports are expensive, but you get into, there's that many games, and we've gone to one, but there are times we've gone to go to others, and I'm like, wait, for St. Louis on a Sunday night? Are you serious? That's the cost of the ticket? But it's, and Jim Cornelius and the anthem singer makes it a lot of fun too. But anyway, I, I will say this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks so much for having me and uh, uh, allowing me to fill in as host today. Uh, thanks to all the callers who were out there. Any uh, other um, quick tidbits and notes that you wanted to leave us with today before we say farewell? No, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to be here. It's always fun to do whatever we can to help people who call in. It's it's this this show's always enlightening me because people call in and they're really debilitated and what my hope is that is that some of the advice we we, we yeah. give can 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 lead to someone to get better. Get that free advice right here. Don't forget, go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. Uh, the injury clinic information. Call them 801-587-7109. Uh, available Monday through Thursday, four to eight p.m. Friday, available noon to six, the location at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. Uh, don't forget, the next Doc Talk comes your way with Dr. Peter Chalmers right here, February 7th. Make sure to be a part of that. Hans Olsen will be back with you when it comes time to that. Thanks so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks so much. All right. When we come back, we'll have National Sports Radio right here for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Doc Talk on 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Again.